Welcome to the Youth Pastor and Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. My name is Mike McGarry. I'm your host. I'm here in our online studio with Ryan Putman. Ryan is Associate Professor of Theology and Culture at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Is the Vice President of Academic Affairs and Director of Worldview Formation at Williams Baptist University. And he is the author of When Doctrine Divides the People of God, of The, the-, the Method of Christian Theology, A Basic Introduction, and In Defense of Doctrine. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be with you today, brother. All right. So glad to have you here. Hey, uh, before we dive into our conversation about Christian worldview and everything, it's always fun to get to know our guests a little bit. Uh, And so I was wondering, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about uh, what were you like as a teenager? What sort of things were you into? Were you into a a sports kid or theater clubs or music or what type of teenager was Ryan Putman? I I believe I was the stereotypical nerd. Um, I had a great aspirations of, you know, not being a nerd. Uh, maybe I was a, a great athlete in my own mind, um, but, but never really played uh, high school sports. In fact, uh, most of my high school memories are associated with work. I, I had a, a job that I landed when I was 15 years old that basically followed me all the way through college and even into my first year of seminary, I worked in an office supply store. I worked at Office well, Max. That's exciting. I was pushing pens <laughs> and paper clips, and uh, I probably worked too much. Uh, but I, I remember, I remember my my first week on the job. They hired me during uh, back to school season. Which, for those of you who aren't in the office supply biz, <laughs> as 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 that is our Christmas oh, yeah, season, all right? You know, we, we, I remember I was stacking, uh, you know, basically these open packages of notebook paper, yeah. you know, that people, you know, students use. Yeah. We were selling it for like 10 cents a package or whatever back then. And we were, I was stacking all this paper and I'm thinking, man, this is so tedious. And, uh, and my, my then boss walked by me and said, well, Ryan, how's it going? How are you enjoying your your first day on the job. And I, I don't know, I had foot and mouth disease. Something came you over actually me. Answered I answered uh, the question. <laughs> I actually answered the question and I said something like, well, I know that I really want to get a good education. So I'm not stuck in this place when I'm your age. Oh no. <laughs> oh, oh no. And, and in retrospect, it's so cringy. Oh, I can't believe horrible. I said it, but, 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 uh, but, 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 but that was what set, I guess me on my, <laughs> on my path to, 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 to higher education is that I didn't want to work in office supplies anymore. Um, but I mean, if you would have, if you would have told my high school teachers that, uh, that I would be an academic dean in a, in a, in a, in a, in a private university one day, they probably would have laughed in your face because I wasn't the world's best student. Um, my, my greater interests lie with, uh, with, you know, uh, girls and, and, and doing something else, you know, besides schoolwork. Um, but what happened, I think that really sort of revolutionized my life. And I guess this is probably a lot of our stories is when God called me to ministry, like my desire 
to learn yeah. just grew overnight. I mean, I didn't at the time see, oh, I wrote, probably should be paying attention in, in, in my physics class. I should be paying attention in my finance class. Those are things mm-hmm. that I probably would have benefited from as a high schooler. Totally. I go back and yeah. I, could, I could tell yeah. myself, you should have paid more attention to those things. But I was reading uh, C.S. Lewis, um, and all of a sudden I had a newfound appreciation for the humanities, for history, and and later philosophy and 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 whatnot. But um, I mean, it was really that that call to ministry that developed me into being a good student. And it and it took some time, um, as it does with a lot of uh, adolescent and post adolescent boys. But I finally got to the point where it really became a great passion of mine. And I, and I, I attached that all to call to ministry, uh, to the love for theology that God grew in my heart. And, um, and there's, I think I I could look back at my high school years and see just this great continuity of what God was doing then and what God is still doing in my life now. Um, and and my my youth ministry was so formative on me. Um, I I grew up a pastor's kid, but but it wasn't really until I was in student ministry that I really saw um, myself in, in 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 the Christian life in such a way where it became my own faith. Yeah. And we just saw God do some incredible works. I saw. Uh, some dramatic conversions when I was in high school, uh, and I became involved in evangelism and missions projects. I mean, and and again, everything that was there in student ministry in those early days really kind of propelled me to to what I'm doing now. And I'm so grateful for every step along the way. I love that. I love that. That's so encouraging to hear. And and I think that's, um, yeah. I always appreciate hearing from others the the impact that a faithful student ministry can have in uh, equipping um, teenagers to become adults who are still living for Christ. And and that's a major emphasis of what we're doing here at Youth Pastor Theologian. Uh, I like to remind youth workers that the mission of youth ministry is not to make teenage disciples. Uh, The mission of youth ministry is to make adult disciples whose faith took root during the teen years. That's good. That's very good. Um, so as we uh, continue right with that core conviction about what is youth ministry and what are we trying to do, I think one of the big um, conversations that we need to be having is about worldview formation. That can be a phrase that uh, gets thrown around a lot, but defined um, kind of so vaguely that... It's like, well, everything is your worldview. Like, if everything is your worldview, then nothing is your worldview, right? So, sure, um, sure. In in your role um, as a as a theologian, as a professor uh, at a seminary, and um, and in a, a a college, and overseeing the worldview formation at William Baptist University, um, I, I think that you're a, a really good resource for us in uh, guiding us through what do we mean by worldview and what are some pillars of a distinctively Christian worldview? Well, Mike, first and foremost, that's that's a great comment that you made about about if ever if you know 
everything is your worldview, then nothing is your worldview. I mean, we we sometimes uh, try to paint that uh, that idea so narrow that every single belief you have is your worldview or your you know the worldview that an individual has. And worldviews tend to be a little bit broader than that. Um, I mean, you and I probably share a very very common worldview, but we probably have different interests when it comes to food or sports teams or, you know, hobbies, yeah. that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that we have different worldviews right. per se. Yeah. So I think that's a really helpful um, distinction to make. Yeah. Um, worldview as a concept really kind of um, goes back probably 200 years or so um, when, when German philosophers really first started talking about this. Everybody has always had a worldview. Yeah. It's just really in the last, you know, 200 years or so of scholarship that we've really started kind of questioning what it is we mean by worldview or, or the way that we see the world. In fact, I, I had a, a professor in seminary who was prone to say worldviews are like navels. Everybody has one. But we rarely stop to think about one. So when I'm talking about worldview in a, in a public place, I always, you know, you know, make the audience raise their hands. How many of you have a belly button? How many of you have given serious thought to your belly button today? And, uh, and, and, and of course, uh, very few people, uh, if, unless they're, if they're mentally, you know, competent or, you know, mentally sane, they're not going to be thinking about their, yeah. their belly button yeah. much. Uh, but we do ha- all have worldviews. We all have a basic, if you, you use the metaphor, lens through which we see the right. world that, that shapes who we are, what we do, um, what we love, what we value. Um, and, and, so, and so that's, in a nutshell, what worldviews are really all about. And again, I think that worldviews have kind of fallen on hard times as a concept with some Christian thinkers who think that, well, that's too rational. Um, human beings are more complex than than just a, a set of rational ideas. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but the way that I define a worldview, um, I, I try to to think not just about my intellectual beliefs, yeah. but also my practices and 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 my my affections. Mm-hmm the love of my heart, the desires of my heart. Okay. And the Bible, the Bible doesn't use the word worldview, obviously, right. but honestly, I think the closest analogy to the concept of worldview in the Bible is the way the Bible talks about the heart. And the relationship between the heart and the mind, I think, is a, is a, is a fitting metaphor, fitting analogy for what mm-hmm. we mean by worldviews. Yeah. Okay, so if you were going to identify maybe just a few like basic like building blocks or pillars or whatever analogy you want to use, like what makes a what makes a worldview a Christian worldview? Because we all know people who are are self professing Christians, right? Um, Who who do not have a Christian worldview, and so they're they're church members. um, They're sometimes even like all the way through their entire life, faithful church members. And yet they're the way they look at the world is not really 
a Christian worldview. Yeah. So what makes a worldview a Christian worldview? Well, before I unpack that, let me just say for a moment what I think a worldview entails. Um, it entails, at least as, 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 as I, I frequently talk about it, other people might nuance this a little bit differently. It includes your, your story. Yeah. That is your overarching story of how you believe everything came to be. You know, it's the, the big story, yep. the story of everything. Um, it includes um, truth. And these are questions that, that people like N.T. Wright have expressed pretty clearly and others along the way. Uh, questions of truth like, who am I? Where am I? What's wrong with the world? Yep. And what's the solution? And whether you're a Christian or you're a Muslim, a Hindu, atheist, I mean, a thoroughgoing postmodern, everybody's trying to answer those kinds of yeah. questions. Okay? It's not just something that's distinctly Christian. It's something that everybody from every walk of life is going to, to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's practice that can, that can involve um, our morality our ethical framework, it can involve our daily habits, uh, the way we relate to other people, and then our affections. And, uh, and I, I don't always agree with James K.A. Smith, but when I do, and I, I think he's, he's right on some things, we are, in some sense, what we love. Our affections, the, the, mm -hmm. our, our heart's desires often drive our, our, our beliefs and our practices more so than than yeah. than than just rational thinking, um, and, and so I, I like to think of that as like a a nexus of all the things that sort of come together when we talk about a mm -hmm. worldview. Now, talking about that, what it makes a distinctively Christian worldview? Of course, the way we address that story component is spelled out for us in the biblical story. Um, that that the story, the meta narrative of Scripture, if we want to use the fancy term, the overarching story of the Bible from Genesis one to Revelation twenty two is one whole true story in which we find ourselves as characters, right. and 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 so like there there's been an analogy that that several people have used over the years. What would it be like to find a, uh, a, a Shakespearean play that had never before been discovered, but one of the middle acts was missing? Mm -hmm. well, how would we have to play that story out? Well, we would follow Shakespeare's words so long as we could, but then in that section we would have to improvise yeah. or kind of fill in the gaps, if you will, and then we have the conclusion to the story that Shakespeare wrote. That's, that's sort of the way. Yeah. We think about the biblical story. We have a creation account. We have an account of human rebellion. We have the account of God speaking through um, this tribal people, this um, nomadic people, Israel, and making himself known to the world through them, through his laws, his statutes. Yeah. Ultimately, he comes into the world in 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 the perfect image of God, the exact representation of his likeness, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, Christ Jesus, who reveals God for us. Christ 
um, not only reveals God, but he also becomes our, 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 our substitutionary sacrifice. He takes the penalty of sin um, for us on the cross. He defeats death through his resurrection. Yeah. And, and now we live in the age of the church. We have the Holy Spirit, and we are trying to faithfully live out the same story right yeah. now in 2023 that uh, the Apostle Paul was living out in, in 61 AD. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're part of the same moment in history, if you yeah. will. Uh, so story is a big part, helping people see that story, and then helping people understand distinctively Christian answers to the big questions like, who am I? I am made in the image of God. Um, where am I? I'm in a world that's created by and sustained by God. What's wrong with the world? Well, obviously, sin and depravity, human rebellion against God. And the ultimate solution, not to, to quote Sunday school answers uh, too frequently, is Jesus. Uh, yeah. Jesus is the yeah. answer. Uh, and then, you know, you could see where, where you would go with, yeah. with practices and affections. My practices are shaped by Scripture and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. My affections are, are to, to, give, uh, to give Christ, to give God um, worth in worship. Yeah. To, to be a living sacrifice um, in everything that I do. So a distinctly Christian worldview approaches story, approaches truth, practice, and ultimately the affections of our heart with a Christ-centered focus. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Okay, so let me um, uh, let me attempt to summarize that in, in uh, the way that that I, I talk about it a lot on on the podcast and on uh, the YPC blog and, and such. Is uh, we talk a lot about the the narrow gospel and the broad gospel um, in uh, at YPT. And so the narrow gospel is like the the proclamation of the cross or right? atonement, basically. Is, right, the narrow gospel. This is how do you become a Christian? Um, and, right. and the broad gospel is that whole the whole sweep of the meta narrative, right? Creation, fall, right. redemption, glorification. Right. Um, and so both are essential for the Christian. Right. Um, and so right. one of those makes you a Christian. One of them gives you a Christian worldview. Um, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that's good. So, and then as you were talking, it, something kind of clicked in my head, even with making the connections about the kind of the bigger story questions that we ask. And in a sense, I'm I'm just I'm verbally processing this because I haven't thought about it this way before. Uh, but how does uh, if we think about creation, fall, redemption, glorification, right? Creation um, it answers questions about origin, right? Where did we come from? Um, the I, fall answers questions about what's wrong in the world. I, um, redemption, right? Is there any hope? Is there any salvation? How I, how do things get restored? Um, and glorification right. is like, where is this all, where is this all going? Um, and right. so just those building blocks of what the Bible teaches and re really just frankly, what the Bible is, um, it is really laying out for us a, a whole worldview for us to grow into. Absolutely. So, um, so I, I'm curious for, for your work in, in the seminary and your work. In, in the college setting, um, what are some uh, just observations you've made over uh, the worldview of students 
Uh, and how has that changed over the last few years? Uh, just what what sorts of yeah, what sorts of challenges are you encountering in your work with college yeah. students and even with with seminary students? Frankly, great question. Well, of course, I started my academic ministry teaching full time in a conservative evangelical seminary, and when I started teaching. I wasn't that much older than my yeah. students, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe just a few years yeah. older. Um, and, and in fact, a lot of my students were older than me. That's 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 my, the way my life began in this. And I think my experience there probably spoiled me a little bit because in a in a seminary setting, or at least it felt this way uh, fifteen years ago. Um, the, the people that I had in my classroom were anxious to learn. They were excited. They felt called of God. So we could just go deep and have, have great, profound theological conversations on the doctrine of the Trinity and, and God's relationship to time and the nature. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot yeah. of fun doing that. Um, but, the transition to a, I'm in a Christian university, yeah. but the transition to work from working with PhD students all the time in theology yeah. to working with undergraduate students, I, I sort of felt like I was back in student ministry, yeah. Mike. I mean, I mean, it's like, this is because it, it, it is, it is, it's a big change, but I also think that there's some just, some significant, you know, generational differences um, with Gen Z students um, that, that do present some pretty significant challenges uh, in ministry. And, and I mean, I think my friend Kyle Brashear has really kind of described it well, apatheism. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of apathy, you know, towards God and, uh, and, 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 and so, uh, you know, my my desire when I'm when I'm teaching these Gen Ed classes on Christian worldview is just to get just to make a compelling case. Hey, we all have worldviews. Yeah. Let's let's make this fun. Yeah. Let's engage. Let's talk about this and why it should be meaningful to you. And and again, what I see my role now is is whereas I was on the on the comfortable end of disciple making in a seminary yeah. setting. And I still do that, you know, with seminary students and, and leading leading them. Um, here it is the front lines of evangelism. We have we have a lot of students who are who are churched, but then we have a probably an even larger number who aren't. And um, and and it's very very exciting to have gospel conversations with students. In fact, I I had a I had a student reach out to me. Uh, just last Friday, um, he said something that you said in, in chapel um, resonated with me. I'm an agnostic. Can I come and talk to you about it? And and so it, it was great because here was a student who had been in my worldview class yeah. um, who she, she didn't have difficulties with the intellectual side right. yeah. of, of the Christian faith as much as there, there were some things that she was trying to understand about about 
inconsistent Christian practice mm-hmm. and, and yeah. living. You know, there was what, what we might call a, a little bit of a credibility crisis right. for Christianity yeah. going on in her life. And uh, so, I mean, that's the, that's the I, I don't know if that even directly remotely answers your question. I mean, it, it, it is fun to be able to talk to students in what I believe is a pretty formative time of their right. life. However, I, I, I'm more convinced now than ever that student ministers are the first front line, and children's ministers yeah. as well. People who are yeah. who are who are working with kids at a very young age. You are you are you are you are doing worldview discipleship. You are combating um, significantly anti-Christian worldviews that that are a big part of Gen Z culture. Uh, and man, you guys, I just applaud you. I'm so grateful for what you do. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really encouraged by the ministries that I've come across through youth pastor theologian. And, um, yeah, it's just, I I'm really impressed that there is much more good biblically, um, biblically rich, theologically deep youth ministry happening than is usually publicized or talked about. <laughs> um, unfortunately, yeah. there's, the, there's that stereotype of, you know, youth group is all about pizza and dodgeball. And um, that, I mean, that's not all bad. No, though, no. Hey, but, I love but, pizza yeah. and I love dodgeball. <laughs> um, yeah. So, pizza and dodgeball yeah. are not the enemy, but if that's how we're building our ministries, then there's a problem, right? right. Um, and sometimes that's all that people criticize and that's all that people really talk about um but for for the youth workers who are listening um again recognizing that many of them are already having these conversations so this isn't a rebuke this isn't hey get off your butts and start having these conversations yeah but if if you were going to just identify a few different key areas of conversation um that you think would be really important for youth workers to uh open up a, a dialogue not just teach one lesson about because that's not really how any worldview gets formed is by a singular lesson right but to open up an ongoing conversation dialogue uh series etc um what what are some key areas that you would recommend for youth workers to be discussing in order to equip their students to form a biblical worldview i think on one level it's really good to teach um young students the building blocks of a worldview maybe something like what i've what i've discussed here i mean you can do it any number of different ways um but where 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 you're teaching students that everybody has a lens everybody has a perspective um and and ultimately we are seeking truth we're not this is not just all worldviews are created equal that that every worldview is is equally valid yeah. or useful, yeah. but I mean, giving students the tools to analyze worldviews, to 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 see other people's worldviews for what they are, and to and basically to 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 kind of critically think about them. I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. You know, like if if they're watching a, you know. A movie or a, or a TV show, or or even watching a, 
know, a 90 second TikTok video that has this, you know, idea that's being expressed. How do they critically think about those things? How do they critically weigh in and assess um, the perspective that's being espoused? So um, I, I think that is something that would be extremely beneficial as they kind of navigate high school and, of course, um, university life yeah. that's ahead of be able to think critically about worldviews. On the theological side of things, um, I am I am convinced that the I think this is pretty obvious the key theological issue of our time is theological anthropology. I agree. Every every age in church history has had something. You know, in the early church, it was Trinity, it was doctrine of Christ, and Reformation, it was salvation. And in this moment. It's anthropology um, because there's so much that that previous generations of Christianity basically took for granted because there was just this common understanding of what it means to be a human being, what it means to be um, made in God's image, what it means to be male and female. I could go down through the list of things. Um, but in this moment in time, we need to be teaching theological anthropology and not just, not just human constitution, not just what it means to have a body, soul, and spirit. I mean, those are, those are fun topics. But we need to be talking about identity yeah, and, and presenting that as a theological concept yeah. because the culture is giving it. Uh, it's definitely doing theology, talking about identity. And we need, to, we need to own identity because Scripture has a lot to say about identity. Yeah. And... Uh, I think that we need to be on the forefront of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's such an important conversation, this whole, um, biblical anthropology question, because there's just, I mean, I think every youth worker I know is facing the, the questions of identity and, um, gender and sexuality and, um, yeah, it, it all flows out from creation. And what does it mean to be a human being? It's not just. Does it mean to be a human being? It's not just about. Well, I just want to love who I want to love. What's the big problem? Like, it, but what right. does it mean to be a human being who's created in the image of God? Do we have a purpose? Yeah. Do we do we have a uh, a telos or design? Now, I, I hate to admit this, but I, my wife took me to to go see the Barbie movie this summer. And uh, yeah. I, I won't admit to liking or laughing at it or anything like that. I mean, at least not. Did you public. dress up um, all in pink to go? Oh, I, I certainly did not okay. do that. I okay. think I went for, for as neutral gray as all I can. Right. I'm here against my will. Just, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted my, my protest to be known. I'm just here for the popcorn. Um, but I mean, obviously that movie had a lot, surrounding it because it was talking about the patriarchy and feminism. I mean, it, those things are very clearly on the surface. I mean, it for such a, for a movie based on a doll, it was pretty, pretty uh, philosophically heavy, yeah. existentially yeah. heavy. But one of the concluding scenes in the movie conversation between Barbie and her creator and the, the driving question is what was, my, what was I made for? 
And I thought, you know, that is, even though most people aren't going to pick up on this, this is the most important question we can be asking mm-hmm. in our in our student ministries and our college ministries. What was I made for? Yeah. I mean, do I have a design? Do I have a purpose? Um, do, or do I, do I, like most people in this, in this sort of um, postmodern moment want to, to do and say, do I get to make that for myself? Or is there something yeah. that's innate in me, something that's good, something that's true, something that's beautiful um, that I can live my life for and have meaning? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's such, that's just such a good topic yeah. to be talking about with students. Yeah. Totally agreed. And my, my hunch is, um, based off the type of person who's going to be listening to a podcast called the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, my hunch is most of our listeners uh, agree. And Hello, yeah, nerds. go nerds. Nerds unite. Um, when I was growing up, um, my, my dad had a saying, uh, and he said, the battle's over and the nerds have won. Be a nerd. <laughs> and I've always uh, held on to that. Um, so be a nerd. Um, so I, I don't think we need to persuade our youth workers too much. Um, but one thing that I think, um, can hold up youth workers from really digging into, um, theological depth and talking about worldview issues from a doctrinal perspective, not just a surface level application here, do this type of perspective. Um, one thing that can hold youth workers up is fear of pushback by parents. Um, and that's a very real thing um, that many of us have experienced and that many of us have faced. This pressure to keep youth group fun, to keep it light. My kids really come because they want to be with their friends. Um, if youth group gets boring or too heavy, or if it's just a Bible study, then my kids aren't going to go anymore. Um, and some of that is spoken, actually, and much of it is unspoken. So when youth workers have an opportunity to meet with parents of teenagers uh, at a parents meeting or um, over a Zoom call or just in a one-on-one conversation, how would you encourage youth workers to persuade parents that their teenagers need a doctrinal theological foundation for a Christian worldview? It's a great question. I don't know that that is as hard to answer as it used to be. I think for, for some of the reasons that um, we've just talked about, I feel like more and more parents are aware of the ideological warfare um, that that we find ourselves in in this moment, and and they see that in different expressions. So, if you're talking to believing parents, yeah, I I think I think now we're we're almost coming to the point where where. If, if they themselves are believers, I mean, it's it's becoming more self apparent. Yeah, we've got to we've got to give different answers to the questions mm-hmm. 
that are being asked by our students yeah. and what the culture is giving. And 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 maybe maybe this is also an opportunity to bring parents along and disciple them. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um and 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 maybe <laughs> uh maybe this is one of those moments where um you, you can do what we used to do in, in children's ministry where uh we would give uh we would give parents copies of the Jesus storybook Bible again yep. to help, yep. Yep. help kids be familiarized with the, the biblical story. We were we were giving them to the parents with the parents under the impression, oh, I'm gonna teach my yeah. kids this yeah. Yeah. this storybook Bible, but along the way parents right. were discipled in the process too. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's the that's the big challenge. I mean, it, it's you're 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 discipling moms and dads just like you're discipling mm-hmm. uh, students, and and just like you would with students, you're going to need a certain degree of willingness. Yeah, to come along uh, with you in that in that journey and in that process. But uh, I, I certainly, I certainly, I I don't know that it's any one slam dunk argument. Yeah. But I mean, I think parents can perceive you're just going to have to make up your mind do you want your child to be distinctly christian mm-hmm. or do you want your child to to uh to to go on and 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 just kind of go with the flow of this post-christian culture yeah for those who are believers i, I hope that's a pretty easy I answer so. um but but for those who who are, are immature or for not believers then then discipling them as part of the process as well. Yeah, that's good. So as we, as we wrap up um, this conversation, is there any just final encouragements or uh, reflections on, on worldview formation um, that you uh, want to encourage youth workers to, to chew on? I would say we never really leave this subject. I mean, it's it's we're always dealing with some aspect of the worldview, whether it's again discipling people in the big story, yeah. whether we're we're helping them answer those big questions that every kid has, or even if we're just talking about something practical like what do you do with your yeah. money? Yeah. You know, we're we're always dealing with life through a yeah. lens. And and you guys are already doing worldview formation. Mm-hmm. I just want you to see how the pieces fit together. That's really good. You're you're making you're making old disciples uh, that that are holistically formed. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know the great thing about student ministry, with same thing is true of adult ministry and, and children's ministry. I mean, all kids are different. You're going to have your naturally more know intellectual cognitive rational kind yeah, of students yeah. you're going to have your your more effective heart driven emotional you know emotion driven students and then you're going to have those students just like to do something that they have that real practical drive and they they want to take action and when you talk about worldview you can bring all of those people together in the same room and and grow all those different strengths it doesn't have to be a purely rational, purely apologetic thing all the time. I think I think sometimes you're doing worldview formation 
just as much when you take kids on a mission trip. But but maybe maybe think about how you integrate those things together as you're teaching and practicing uh, life together. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, are, are there any books or resources or websites, um, organizations, et cetera, uh, any resources that you would uh, commend and uh, want to direct youth workers to go check out? Well, uh, the book that I've been recommending to uh, to to parents and to to students it doesn't really delve into the theory of worldview as much, um, but but in terms of just a useful book uh, for for a lot of the theological issues, apologetic issues we do is Rebecca McLaughlin's uh, Ten Questions uh, that everyone should a- ask and answer about Christianity. Uh, the kind of the the, the popular le- or the the youth level version yeah. of the of the book that she did confronting Christianity some years ago. Um, there's a number of of good resources like that. If you want to teach the Bible as a as a story, I, I don't know that it's really written so much for students, but it might be good for the teacher. Would be the true story of the whole world by Michael Goheen and Craig Bartholomew. Um, very useful resource. And, uh, and, and, and then of course, if you want to read anything that I've talked about with these, the story, truth, practice, affections, talk about that in my book, The Method of Christian Theology, which is not really, uh, a book written specifically for, uh, church use directly anyway, but I, I feel like some of the chapters in there might unpack some of the things that I've talked about here and be helpful. It's good formation for the youth worker to then. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Good. All right. Hey, before we wrap up, um, I, I was actually just going to ask you, could you just walk us through uh, your books and just give us just a, a flyby summary of uh, kind of what what is the book and, and what's it about and kind of just walk us through those real quick? Well, my, my, my starving children really do appreciate that plug, <laughs> Mikey. Thank you. Trying um, to help you out. Uh, well, I mean, I've written I've written a, a couple of books. The ones that I would I would recommend probably first and foremost to this group, the Method of Christian Theology, was written as a textbook for college freshmen or for first year seminary students um, thinking about theology uh, and 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 if you're going to be taking a theology class, this is what theology mm-hmm. is. Um, this is how theology relates to discipleship and the way that the lens through which I, I think about those things is worldview, obviously. So, uh, how does theology shape one's worldview? And then I, then I kind of talk about how do you move from the Bible to doctrine, that sort of thing. It's, it's not a overly complicated book. Uh, my other books are a little bit more, uh, academic ish. Um, I have a, uh, have a book uh, called When Doctrine Divides the People of God. And I'm, I'm really, uh, this has been the one that probably has been my, my bestseller, if you will. It's, it's the book that, that kind of explores if, if Christians, evangelical Christians who believe the same gospel, who have the same or similar beliefs about the authority, inerrancy, trustworthiness of Scripture, um, we have all these things in common. Why do we disagree about uh, things like church governance, about the ordinances, about 
eschatology, about the fine points related to the doctrine of salvation. And so what I really try to do is lay out all the, the reasons or some of the major reasons why Christians disagree about about the Bible, hermeneutics, yeah. psychology. We have different approaches to logic. Um, we have different traditions. I mean, and, and just yeah. try to explore how Christians who have some significant differences between them can, uh, can, can understand one another a little bit better and learn how to deal with those disagreements. And then next year, uh, hopefully, in the very near future, you will be able to get my book, Conceived by the Holy Spirit, um, The Virgin Birth in uh, Scripture and Theology, which is focused just on what I talked yeah. about, the, the the birth of Christ. And hopefully it'll be a good um, kind of in-depth Advent reading for, for some yeah. people uh, next year when it, when it releases from B&H. Nice. Do you know, is, is that releasing... Like right around Advent time, or will youth workers be able to read? I that think they're pushing for, for a, a a a late summer, early fall awesome. release, so it could be used in classrooms okay. as well. Um, it I, I I deal with a lot of the apologetic issues related to the Virgin Birth. Yes, that's part yeah. of it, but also things like how does the doctrine of the Virgin Birth relate to the Trinity? Yeah. How does it relate to salvation? How does it relate to last things and the return of yeah. Jesus? So. I had a lot of fun doing yeah. that. No, that's awesome. I think that's a really needed resource. Um, I just in in my uh, nearly twenty years of of student ministry, it's just uh, teenagers come to Christmas and you can just see their eyes glaze over because it's the same story that I've always heard. Right. I already know this, and it's like right. they're just hearing such like the basic story forever, and we never right. go deeper than like. God became human. He was named Jesus, and he was God too. Right. Like, well, hopefully, there's more hopefully to it than that. That's glorious and beautiful. Like, let's let's dig as youth workers so that we can read some hard books and like dig into books like what you're coming up with, so that we can help invite students into the mystery of the incarnation. And not only that, I also settle the the diehard debate once and for all. I will. I'll let you read Oof. it and find Oof. out. It is so. It's it's there. It's there. Right. I, I I tried to I tried to, to swing hard with this All one. Right. So nice. I'm looking forward to anyway. it. Anyway. All right. Hey Ryan. Thanks so much for your ministry. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. And um, thank you, Mike. We'll have to have you on to talk about it again in a couple of months. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. YPT's mission is to empower youth workers to pursue theological depth because we're committed to inviting students into a faith that's big enough to grow into. You can learn more about the ministry and other resources we offer at youthpastortheologian.com, and you can find us on most social media at Youth Theologian.